Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Did you, America? Welcome to Did You America? He's Jeremy Hoffman. I'm Ian Camfield. This is season two. No idea the number of episodes, except that next week we get to 100 episodes. But not for the season. For the eternity. Yes. That's not the word. For the entirety. That's the word. Excellent correction. See, we know words and stuff. English. Talking of uh, words and stuff, before I began uh, recording for today's uh, Did You America, I handed uh, Jeremy a copy of Henry and Glenn Forever and Ever. We've referred to it a few times uh, on this podcast. Uh, For the people who were... uh, not even trying to mask their homophobia when they were like, my God, you've made Superman bisexual. That's outrageous. I said, hey, listen, homophobes. What you need to get is the gayest comic ever, Henry and Glenn Forever and Ever, which depicts Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig living in a homosexual relationship where Hall and Oates live next door. As far as I know, not in a homosexual relationship. It's inferred. No spoilers. <laughs> anyway, uh, of course, I own a copy of uh, Henry and Glenn Forever and Ever. And um, our, uh, our talking about it on the podcast made me... I, I've got a load of books that I've never unpacked. So I've lived in Texas for two years almost. And there's still things I've got boxed up in my closet. Right. Um, yeah, but books are really only for displaying, not really for reading. And there aren't too many people coming here. So why display? Exactly. That's, that's, that's very true. Um, and so... So much like uh, Henry and Glenn's homosexual relationship, the book was in the closet. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, cheap joke. But anyway, I, I, I dug it out. And uh, so now you've had a little uh, flick through the, the tome. It's funny stuff, right? I, I think the most shocking part for you was just learning that I actually know how to read. Because you, you know, I was doing some work. You're I like, thought you'd just look at the pictures. Well, I, I was trying to, but there's all these words covering up parts of the pictures. I had to read them. But, you know, I was trying to do some work before we start the podcast you're like oh i'm gonna go to the bathroom but here's this to distract you i got no work done now i'm all of a sudden reading this gay erotica (laughs) (laughs) and it's very entertaining (laughs) the best part is the forward by rob halford who's literally the whole his whole uh forward is just being like um, I'm pretty sure this book isn't about Henry and Glenn. It's about you and me. You're clearly in love with me. The writer, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's very, very amusing, and um, and it's that's the, the best thing about it is it's not gay erotica. It's like two gay dudes that have arguments over who's going to take the trash out. Right. right? It's like a, it's like <laughs> seeing a married couple. It's kind of proving like, hey, they're just like us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So one other thing I, I wanted to say. So I, you know, so the people that were uh, having an issue with bisexual superman i was you're being ridiculous but that is not the shocking news that's coming from dc comics about this whole superman thing you want to make son of superman bisexual i don't care and i think i don't care is probably the appropriate response you know what i do care about what there's a whole load of other stuff 
that they've changed in this new version of Superman. And okay, if you He's want... now average man. Well, he's no longer fighting for the American way. So yes, I take that to mean he's become very average. Wait, he's Russian now? Might as well be. And this is I don't want to spend too much time on this because we did it on the, on the previous episode, but I didn't realize this was all part of the makeover. I knew that they were making him bisexual and I knew that there was going to be some social causes. So he was going to have to, you know, he's fighting climate change now rather than people that are robbing old ladies or whatever it is that Superman he's was going to fight the sun. Pretty much. Oh, I'm not into this at all. This movie's going to be horrible. But they've so, so it used to be tr- Superman fought for truth, justice, and the American way. He's now fighting for truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. And that, even as a Brit, but America's biggest fan, that's the bit that makes me go, all right, back the fuck up. You want to box tick and do all of your virtue signaling? Fine. But you're so fucking extreme, you don't even want to have the American way in the strap line of how you're selling the comic anymore. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's official. The terrorists won. <laughs> this is what they sought out for, and they, they completed the task. Superman isn't super anymore. He's super. <laughs> Here's an update that I think I'm all right with. Fisher Price. Uh, now we're of a of a of a different age. I'm a good ten years older than you, so I don't know. Like when I was a kid growing up in the '80s, Fisher Price toys like phones and cars and stuff like that i i had all of those right uh basically things that when you were a kid you weren't allowed to play with as an adult fisher price did a plastic toy version what they do like for girls you know they had like the the oven and stuff like that yes like it was all like practical stuff but like children version of it so like maybe you'd get like a steering wheel of or course something like that. of course you're not allowed to do that anymore you have to be gender neutral these days right, with, right. With, the, with the toys but yes they would have uh, they would have things I- like See, I'd actually be excited for that because I was always really jealous that I didn't get to eat the stuff that was being made in the Easy Bake Oven. (laughs) It looked delicious. Instead, I was stuck eating Play-Doh like a weirdo. (laughs) So that explains a lot. Um, (laughs) And paint chips. So um, Fisher-Price, they've got a telephone now. That looks like their old uh, plastic, uh, brightly colored uh, telephone for kids, but it's a Bluetooth version and it can make actual calls. Wait, so like this is their way to be like, oh, nostalgia. If you don't want a cell phone, you can use one of our fake toy, real toy phone thingies. Well, yeah. Or is it for kids? No, it's for kids. I get. Well, I think both. I mean, I think like if you want to, ha- if you want to be, I, I didn't think that maybe they're trying to sell this to hipsters. It could, I guess, become super hipster to have something that is a replica of what in the past would have been for the under fives, but you can actually make phone calls on it. See, that's so weird because like, so for me, my generation when i was in middle school everyone started getting cell phones and this was you know right before the smartphone era but when phones started getting better so like they had cameras and they had internet capabilities right. and you know the whole thought process was like oh is your kid too young to have a cell phone so like some kids did in my grade some kids didn't and as i got older you know the age kids got phones would get younger and younger and the argument especially with smartphones was always like oh well they do so much more there's learning stuff there's this there's that like they're not making phone calls anyways now they're just enticing kids to make prank calls once again 
Fisher Price was essentially like, you know what we're missing? Prank calls. Let's bring that back. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's going to be uh, a selling point to kids. I mean, I've got uh, nieces. My 10-year-old niece has just got her first phone. She was 10 in August, and my my sister decided when you're 10, you can have your first cell right. phone, right? So I was like 12, 13. So okay. that shows it's getting younger. So super excited completely addicted to it right of course. so uh I, uh I i uh she's got whatsapp on the phone right i tried to, now i thought she'd be excited to have me call her phone because up until a few months ago if i want to talk to my nieces or nephew they have to get their mum's phone my sister right. liked to talk on it so I tried to call... This is literally last weekend. I tried to call my 10-year-old niece, right, on uh, WhatsApp on her phone. And she knows WhatsApp. She knows she can text on WhatsApp. She sent me a few text messages, right? But I didn't activate the camera option, so I was literally just using the audio to call. You're making a real phone call. And this is what I get from my niece, my 10-year-old niece, when she picks up the phone. Hello? Sorry, it's Uncle Ian. Yeah, I can't see you. I said, I know, I'm, I'm just calling you for a chat. Yeah, I can't see you. Hang up. <laughs> Literally. That- <laughs> like, she never understood. You know what's funny is like, she's probably never even had the concept of putting the phone up to her ear. That's what I mean. Right. She's looking at the phone and she there's no picture on it. I'm not on the screen except in audio form. So that, And I guarantee she went to her mum and went, Mummy, it's not working. You got me a phone that doesn't work properly. See, you think that, but really... Really, you just officially dealt with your first hint that this girl's becoming a teenager because she was like, "I'm not gonna talk to my fucking uncle." You know, like when I when I first got a when I first got a phone, like all everyone in my family, not just my mom, my dad, my uncles, my aunts, my grandparents, like they always expected me to answer the phone or call them back or text them back. I never did, so I got this reputation along, among my family of like, "Oh, he's not gonna call. He's not gonna answer. You're never gonna hear him." Now, when I call them or answer, they literally pick them. They're like, "Who is this?" <laughs> oh. I, I know that I'm not far off if I uh, call, even if it is to FaceTime uh, my 10-year-old my niece. She's going to see uh, Uncle Ian flashing up and hand the phone to her four-year-old brother and go, will you talk to him? <laughs> like, that's coming. Right, oh, for that, sure. That, you got totally about coming. six months on that. <laughs> but my, my other thing with this is that um, I don't know if we're raising kids correctly, uh, encouraging them to talk on the phone. Shots fired, your sister. Because encourage them to text because I come from a generation where all you could do initially was talk on the phone and then texting became commonplace. Right. And actually texting's a, a funny thing. I don't know why this was. The UK was texting way before the States. Cause even back in, I want to say like opposite of Brussels sprouts. It, yeah. In two thousands. I mean, early two thousands when I first started uh, visiting uh, America dreaming of, of living here. Texting was absolutely commonplace in Shitsville. And I would, uh, I'd, I'd, you know, hook up with American friends to hang out when I was visiting, be sending a text message. I can remember, and these were people that weren't living under a rock that would go, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm texting. And they go, what? I'm like you, you. You send text messages. You don't. And so the UK got on board with that before America. That was when we, people were still like, "Oh, I'm SMSing, messaging you." I you guess, know, like, guess so. Most but, people would see that on the phone, but like, I don't know what this is. But the Ignore fact, it. The, the fact of the matter is, is that now 
unless it's an absolute emergency, there is no excuse for calling whatsoever. And this is why I think this Fisher-Price thing with Bluetooth, re-educating young kids now to talk on the phone. If my phone, my cell phone, in fact, I haven't got, I've only got a cell phone. I don't know. Like the only reason I know I've got a landline, which I guess I have to have to get um, uh, internet, is every so often a a phone number will flash up on my TV when I'm trying to watch a a TV show. Do you remember, you ever watch that show Narcos that was on Netflix, right? This drove me absolutely crazy. That show was full of subtitles because they speak a lot in Spanish. I'd be like, oh my God, someone's calling a landline that I don't have and I'm trying to see the subtitle <laughs> and I'm getting like 917 right. something. And it's always like a random number. It's because it's clearly a solicitor because those right. are the only people that be contacting this number that nobody knows. So my cell phone now, if it rings, right, I don't... It's not my natural instinct to look at the cell phone. If I hear my cell phone ringing, I literally go, my mood drops. It's like I've just been told the worst news ever. I go, oh, what a fucking liberty. Someone (laughs) is calling, like, oh my God. The nerve of you. Literally, and I haven't even seen who it is yet. See, where where I get in trouble, so you know how a lot of times now with the iPhones, it'll be like spam risk or telemarketer or public. So I'm now so used to just like the moment my phone rings, just hitting ignore, thinking it's going to be one of those calls. The amount of times I've done that to my boss is just startling. (laughs) Honestly, if the phone rings, um, I I feel like it is the most inconvenienced I've, I've ever been... My um my neighbors here have got it, it's a pretty good doormat. I, I win all doormat battles because I've got motorhead doormats right. for my apartment. You you can't beat me. They come pretty close though because and I see like I walk around this apartment complex and there's a lot of people that are trying to be funny with their doormats. Like there's one downstairs and it's the doormat says, "Did you bring wine?" Oh fuck off! No. Like if I ever see whoever it is that leaves that apartment, I'm gonna headbutt them. <laughs> it's like an old lady. <laughs> well, I already said it. <laughs> whoever it is, if they attempted to have a conversation with me, I would just go. We're never going to be friends. <laughs> like I just, just based yeah. on your doormat, did you bring wine? Right. But my next door neighbors, they got a good doormat. It's almost perfect because it says, "Did you call first? Now I would. <laughs> now that see now now therefore, just based on that, my neighbors and I could be friends because that shows that they've got the right attitude. And I said to them, "You know, the only thing that can make that te- doormat better is if it says, "Did you text first? Right. That's what it should say. <laughs> or if it has Levy from Motorhead randomly in the corner and the texts are in like a speech bubble. Yes, that or just like <laughs> that's the only way it beats yours. Yeah, yeah. That all just like uh, fuck off. I'm not interested. Right, like, don't, don't come go, over. Right, right. Lee, turn around. <laughs> Nobody wants you here. I'll come to you. Oh my god, I'm gonna get into the doormat game. These are incredible ideas. They're so much better than did you bring wine? I oh, mean, yeah, that's just true. like oh. I hate the whole like wine humor and wine community. Just like shut up. Your drink tastes like shit. <laughs> the best, uh, the best sort of I I, I I I hate any kind of visitors. And I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly tell this story because the actor who did it, no one in America has ever heard of. And I'm about to name drop. Stand by, everybody. Um, there was a period of time where I was hanging out a bit with Morrissey. Bloop. And um, Morrissey's got this fascination with uh, real kind of old school 
films and TV. Do you see why we got on? And tacos. Go on. <laughs> um, That's a fat joke. He's gotten fat. All right, go on. <laughs> it's a throwback to that Simpsons episode. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, Never forget. If you care enough, you can Google this actor while you're listening to the podcast. There was a, In fact, maybe it was on in the States, but a long time ago, there was a TV show called Jason King. It's like 1960s, I think. It might even be black and white TV. Um, but... 1971. Okay. And color. Oh, there you go. I'm sure there may be the worst in black and white episodes. I might be making that up. Are you up. talking about Pe- Peter Weingard? Peter Wingard, yeah. Look at this guy. You I are know. friends with him? <laughs> no, I'm not friends. No, 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 no. Okay, no. I was going to say, because this guy... <laughs> I have so many questions. I mean, first of all, clearly this is a wig he's wearing, right? I don't know. He, the funniest thing about this... See, I wasn't going to go into detail on the show, but now we're so... No, yeah, well, okay. I'm in a rabbit hole, no one, no one listening knows, so just while while we have this conversation, do yourself a favor and Google Peter Wingard or Jason King and just look at the pictures of him. The funniest thing about this was, I, I believe... I don't Even I haven't watched this show, but I believe that he was meant to be a 1970s TV version of James Bond and Peter Wingard the actor was like the gayest person ever and he was <laughs> but in the TV show was portrayed as this ladies man but was like so camp I don't I don't I can't imagine how anyone watched it and was convinced that he was dating any of the women in the TV show he looks like Paul Rudd's character in Anchorman right that's a good that's good, a perfect description only a well a gayer version <laughs> yeah literally and you have even seen the show first like, of all i can't believe that you're talking about a show that ran for one season in 1971 well, again even i wasn't a fan but morrissey loved it anyway <laughs> that explains a lot <laughs> <laughs> my reason for telling you this was because <laughs> morrissey somehow and actually, as I go into this story, again, this is another reason why he and I were hanging out, because everything I'm about to tell you, even though I had no interest in Jason King or Peter Wingard, it's literally exactly the kind of things I would do. Right. So Morrissey somehow obsessed with the Jason King TV show, somehow finds out where Peter Wingard lives in London, and dec- as in got his actual address, right. and decides that he's just going to walk up and knock on the door, because why wouldn't... 1970s TV actor Peter Wingard A, know who Morrissey is and B, not want him to come in for a cup of tea to talk about a TV show that Peter Wingard starred in like four decades ago, right? Right. So, (laughs) Peter Wingard Morrissey goes to his house or whatever the intercom thing is Peter Wingard apparently answered his intercom and uh, Morrissey says, uh, hi, uh, you don't know me, but I'm Morrissey and I'm a big fan, blah, 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 whatever it was that he said. I don't know what Morrissey's pitch was, but Peter Wingard's response was, oh, but I'm not receiving. (laughs) (laughs) Which is something Morrissey did not want to hear. (laughs) And I don't know. Well, I'm not taking... I don't know if out of that context it works on a doormat but that was suddenly as we were discussing good and bad doormats and letting people know that you're not feeling sociable I don't know if it works on a doormat to have but I'm not receiving (laughs) 
you, I say we make it. I think that's our. If you don't want one of our Did You America T-shirts, you will love our Did You America doormats. Yeah, I'm, I'm not receiving. <laughs> and this whole segment is ten times funnier if you listen to it while looking at a picture of Peter Wingard as Jason King. Or like I said, just go watch the first Anchorman because he looks exactly <laughs> like Paul Rudd in that. All right, uh, we got more stuff coming up in part two. Did you America? All right, let's do part two of Did You America? Song of the Week. If you would like to vote, there is a poll on my Twitter, at Ian Camfield. You can cast a vote via our website, if you wish, didyouamerica.com. It's also where you can talk to us, Twitter or the website, whichever is easiest. Three songs for you to choose from as usual. Uh, This week, I'm going with a new version of My Name is Jonas by Taking Back Sunday. I went with a new version of It's a Man's 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 World by Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit featuring Lauren Spencer. A New York producer choosing Big Shot by Lumineers. Is that a Billy Joel cover? Did we all do covers here? (laughs) Uh, My Name is Jonas by Taking Back Sunday. It's a Man's Man's... How many Man's? There's three Man's. This is called It's a Man's World. That's how everyone knows Uh, it. Jason Isabel and the 400 unit featuring Lauren Spencer or Big Shot by Lumineers. Uh, poll at Ian Canfield on Twitter. Didyouamerica.com is the website you can go to. Uh, you can also get uh, t-shirts there. We do have lovely Did You America t-shirts. Not quite doormats yet. No, if you if you buy enough t-shirts and we sell out again, then uh, we'll, uh, we might consider doing some doormats. We'll steal your neighbor's doormats that we don't like and we'll send those to them. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and also, uh, if you uh, want to talk on Instagram just because I'm giving you the easier ways to communicate with us Camfield off the radio is where I am on Instagram now what luck Mel Gibson has had the uncancelable well it seems to me that a few years ago he probably would have uh, probably been feeling a bit sorry for himself um because he saw it's like he pioneered being cancelled because he got cancelled before everyone else did. But then by the time that being cancelled became a widespread thing for just about anyone, people seem to have forgotten that Mel Gibson was cancelled. And now people whose careers are ruined because of things they put on Twitter in 2011, which, you know, are not really that terrible and probably actually weren't that bad in 2011. They can't do anything. Meanwhile, Mel Gibson can be cast in a John Wick prequel series. Yeah, how is that possible? I mean, he's older than Keanu Reeves, right? Um, is he playing Keanu Reeves? Is he so good at Hollywood that they're like, yeah, he says terrible things about Jews, but let's go ahead and make him younger than Keanu Reeves in this film. Well, I mean, it was terrible things about Jews. Wasn't it use Usually of the- Hollywood loves Jews. <laughs> Wasn't it like use of the N-word? Oh, yeah. And the, I, was I, mean, there. I mean, he... um. You know how before we were talking about the uh, the Superman comic is ticking all of the woke boxes? It's like Mel Gibson has ticked as many boxes, but on the complete other end of the spectrum. I feel like he's the most mad about bisexual Superman. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be on um, the Stars Network. Uh, now this is so I, I don't. They haven't said what role that um, Mel Gibson's playing, but it's going to be a prequel. It's called The Continental. So The Continental is that, that's the hotel that they all go to, right, to, right where you're not allowed to kill anyone, but right. John Wick did and then got into trouble for it. Um, and so 
The uh, the story is going to be centred around the backstory of Ian McShane's character. Ian McShane's the older guy who kind of runs that whole enterprise okay. in, the, in the Continental. Right. Um, the one hotel in the world you can't kill people at. Right. Every uh, other hotel is fine. But... Um, so obviously Mel Gibson isn't playing that role because this is going to be a young character. It's supposed to be the story as to how the Ian McShane character became the character. He, to be fair, Ian McShane in in the John uh, John Wick movies, um, he is my favourite character in it because what I love about him is it doesn't matter what chaos is going on and what terrible situation he finds himself in, he is calm, collected, and always drinking alcohol. Literally, <laughs> like, right, the, I think the, we the, found the role. That 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 um. That, that hotel could be about to be blown up and he would be like hang on I'm just going to pour myself one more scotch and then we'll <laughs> deal with the walls closing in I just think we need like a group of scientists to stop worrying about actual science for like a few months and they need to come up with a cancel chart that weighs talent versus how heinous of an act you did because clearly Mel Gibson is somewhere in the top right quadrant where you get to come back because you have a lot of talent but your cancel offense wasn't that bad but for some reason Louis C.K. just ended up on the complete opposite end of that spectrum oh my god like Louis C.K. is laying somewhere probably with his cock out going honestly (laughs) I know And he's going like, I mean, and the, the other funny thing with this is, is so, you know, you think as much as I just said, I love the Ian McShane character, you think John Wick, you think Keanu Reeves, right? right. So Star's press release to announce this show, John Wick prequel, the, the press release basically says, we don't have Keanu Reeves, but don't worry, we got Mel Gibson. <laughs> like, wait, what? Well, and I, I like, I, I'm not saying that Mel Gibson should never work again. I'm just saying it's a screwed up world where that literally is the press release, but it's okay. The main star will not be in it, but we got Mel Gibson instead. That, have you seen Braveheart? <laughs> that, that is a selling point. Meanwhile, all of these other people that have been cancelled, Louis C.K., etc., that can't work, but Mel Gibson's like, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to say whatever you need, even if it's extremely racist. I, it's, uh, I find it... They're like, no, no, Mel, Mel, we don't need you to say the racist stuff. He's no, no, I'll do it. It's fine. I'll do it. It's really easy yeah, for me. And in some of the other things that he has done, because it won't surprise you to know that, you know, with my love of things that are grossly unpopular and just like the B-movies, uh, you know, th- there was a period where Mel Gibson wasn't getting work, so he had to make some real low-budget movies. Right. So there's one where he plays like an action version of Santa Claus that I watched on Netflix last Christmas, right? Right, right. I remember it's we like talked about Santa that. It's like Santa Claus with a shotgun, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know how... Do you ever see that? Yeah, what Santa's missing? That was literally <laughs> the plot of it. You know, I'll tell you what it was. Did you ever hear about, because you? I watched it, you wouldn't have watched it. Uh, before he passed away, Rutger Hauer, you know who he is? I don't. From The Hitcher. The, like, you, you'd know him if you saw him. He's okay, in yeah, loads yeah. of, he, he's always- He's like a that guy actor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, made a low budget movie called Hobo with a Shotgun. There was basically a, a story about a hobo that was a vigilante. Like he couldn't find a, a home to live in, but he went and saw problems oh my god hobo look with, at this movie right hobo with a shotgun it, i bought it on dvd it won't surprise you You want me to lend it to you wait hold on it was a part of the quentin tarantino and robert rodriguez grindhouse oh now you're interested okay no it's based on the faux trailer of the same title that was feet so they made okay okay do you I recognize him yeah no no i know exactly you, who you're talking about what is he in that people would know oh god 
You said it, the hitcher. The hitcher. <laughs> that's really it. No, he's in. No, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's one of those people. That's where like it... the biggest one on his Wikipedia right. page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's one of those people where if you couldn't name one of his movies, you know his face because he plays the same part. He's a that guy actor, right? So anyway, when Mel Gibson was struggling for parts, someone said, "Hey, you know Rutger Hauer, that that guy actor made that hobo with a shotgun movie. What about if we take that, but we do Santa with a shotgun?" <laughs> and, and, and I forget what the so mo- Christianity. Amen. Well, Christianity, Christianity and guns. <laughs> but because they were like to level it up, and you can't tell me that this was just by chance. The the Santa that uh, Mel Gibson plays in that movie, his wife is black. Oh, right, deliberate. You right? know he fought that every step of the way. <laughs> so what do I look like, Robert De Niro? <laughs> Mel Gibson's like, hey, John Wick reboot people, the prequel, whatever you want to call it. Look, I had a black wife. I played Santa. I've, I've, I've rebuilt my life. I've got a black wife and I played Santa. See, my my opinion of Mel Gibson, other than outside of his work, it's only focused on the Hollywood acting side of it. You know, I'm very different than you. So where he's always been known as like this big time action star for his whole career. My favorite roles of him is like when he was in that sequel to the Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell movie about Christmas. I was really into that one because for the most part, action movies, they just bore me. I don't get it. Like even John Wick. The first time I saw John Wick, I went through the whole movie and was like, nothing happened. I don't get it. Where was the story? Meanwhile, I was trying to have sex with a girl throughout that entire movie and it wasn't happening. So I was a bit distracted. But still, you would think the action would have at some point caught my attention. Right, so you have blamed John Wick on your own failing. Yes. And Taken. It happened during Taken too. You didn't Taken one, but Taken as well. You didn't see like the bit where he takes on like five guys using a pencil. No, I saw that. But the, the, the was thing the is, girl going, Jeremy? Action. You see that little pencil so stop, on screen? Don't touch you, see, me. you see that little pencil on screen like that? That's more impressive. What I'm doing there. I, you know, oh, Jeremy's just moving on from that joke. I think that might have been what actually happened. I was emotionally hurt from that joke. <laughs> I yes. just, I need I, action doesn't entice me like that. I need a story. I need something to entertain there me. There is a story. Spoiler alert for the first John Wick. Some bad people come along and by mistake they kill John Wick's dog. He goes on a revenge thing. At one every, point he takes out five people with a pencil, and at the end he gets a new dog. Every movie has a plot. I need a story. I need something that's gonna entice me the whole time, not just someone being like, "Watch me beat up everyone." Because you know what? You know why that doesn't interest me? Because I'm aware that it's a movie. I'm aware that he's not really beating those people up. Are you telling me that Ian McShane is also not spending all day drinking gin and not worrying about any problem that oh, he's no, got? No, he was a drunk. <laughs> the other thing that really made John Wick work was the fact that they cast. Um, Keanu Reeves and didn't require him to do any acting because he can't. The best thing about John Wick is that Keanu Reeves has virtually no lines in it whatsoever. And I noticed this from the first one, and there's been, what, three so far? And if you watched all of them, you'll realize that he says virtually nothing. And by doing that, Keanu Reeves is playing to his strengths. Normally, I would agree with you. Keanu Reeves, in most parts, cannot act. But you can't deny Point Break. That's one of the best movies of all time. And also, Hardball, total tearjerker. And he basically shows you what it's like to be addicted to gambling. 
Yeah. Um, I, I seriously think, like, from this point, Keanu Reeves should only star in movies that have the names John Wick or Bill and Ted in them. <laughs> that, that, that would be the way forward, see, I think. I'm the other way. I want to see him either surfing or coaching little black kids how to play baseball. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Mel Gibson would be like, I know some black people. I'm friends with lots of them. Can I be in this as well? I don't want to make Santa with a shotgun part two. Yeah, right. He'd be like, kill the little black kid. <laughs> the movie it's the best part <laughs> um before we're done today I, i've been trying to get to this uh, story for the last couple of weeks and we just haven't got around to it um there was a, a principal of a school who was uh, an iron maiden fan and there were there there was a petition from some parents who wanted her dismissed because they thought that she was a devil worshipper because there were some pictures or some texts or something where she'd uh, talked about the number of the beast and 666 and uh, the parents at this uh, the school uh, that their kids go to in Canada were just she has to go. She's in league with Lucifer. We can't abide any of this. And the principal said, no, I'm just an Iron Maiden fan. <laughs> They're like, no, we found the perfect replacement. She's only banged two of her students. <laughs> and the uh, the story has a happy ending because despite the um, the parents petitioning, uh, the school board in Ontario, Canada, have decided that actually the principal should be allowed to stay because she has nothing to do with Satan. She just likes arguably the greatest band of all time. I might have uh, put that bit on the oh, end okay. of the not story. A quote, not a quote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just think like of all, you know, every school has those weird teachers or like the pushover teachers or like the fuck it, I've been here for too long teachers, so I don't care. Those are the ones that the parents are normally worried about. But at this school, they're like, oh, she likes music I don't like. Get rid of her. I've, um, I only ended up in Canada once by mistake because my plane, I was supposed to be going to Vegas and my plane had to make an emergency landing in Winnipeg. I, I, I understand my disappointment. Um, so I don't really have a lot of experience in Canada. And certainly that was not a good one because no one wants to be in Winnipeg when they're supposed to have been in, in Vegas. But is this because somehow Canada is really behind the times because there was a period in the 80s when Iron Maiden was seen by certain very conservative parents as being public enemy number one. There was that, what were they called? The PRMC oh, something or other. Wasn't the, the, someone's wife in charge uh, of it? Al Gore's wife. Right, right. And, and they started, this was a, a, um, a group of so-called concerned parents that thought that certain big artists, including Iron Maiden. PMRC, back, the Parents Music Resource Center. Right, and it was Tipper was behind it? Yes. Right. Um, and it was an organization that thought the likes of Iron Maiden were literally tearing down the fabric of American society. And I think the payoff of all of their campaigning, they, they wanted to get albums and stuff banned. And what they did achieve was those warnings that you used to get on the covers of, of albums saying that they use offensive language or right, whatever. Right, right. The parental advisory stickers. But I know... Um, brace yourself, I'm about to drop another name. From being friends with Iron Maiden. Bloop. Um the back in the and Iron Maiden are the most like non-devil worshipping band you could possibly ever imagine. I mean, for God's sake, their lead singer Bruce Dickinson is a commercial airline pilot. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know, they they might sing about certain things, but they certainly weren't worshipping the devil. But back in the eighties, Tip Gore 
and um, a lot of Christians thought that they were. And they, they, there were groups in America that used to burn Iron Maiden albums because they thought that they were so evil. And then one day, a Christian said, oh, my God, do you think by burning Iron Maiden albums, the devil is infecting us through the flames? And they became scared. They used to literally pile them up and set fire to them. And then they were scared that the devil was doing his work through. <laughs> the devil loves fire. Literally, literally, literally through the flames. So there was a new. Quick, di- throw bunnies on them. There was a new directive that it was unsafe to burn Maiden albums because the devil may infect you. So they started taking hammers to them instead. That is a true story. You know where they screwed up with those parental advisory stickers is for me as a kid, that's like what made me want a CD right, more. Like I remember right. when I was at summer camp one year, uh, I forget what Blink-182 album it Take was. Take off your and That's jacket. exactly what yep. it was. And I got sent one and my friend got someone. My mom being the cool mom sent me the ones with curse words. His mom sent him the censored one. And what did he do? He stole my CD before without me noticing. It took me like a year to finally realize like why are all my all of a sudden my versions the bleeped out right, one? Right, right, right. So by by uh, by doing a censored version you were actually encouraging theft. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, mom. And the other thing I will say about Iron Maiden cuz you might know that I know their work quite intimately. Um I mean I feel like I know more about Iron Maiden than Iron Maiden. I've learned more about Iron Maiden in the last two months than I've ever needed to know about Iron oh, Maiden. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That in old British television. My sister is three years younger than me, and she's never had any interest in metal at all. And we have not lived in the same house for more than 15 years. And she's now got three kids of her own and a busy family life. Even despite that amount- So she of- loves the devil now. <laughs> <laughs> Even despite that amount of time and never being a fan of Maiden or wanting to know anything about them, she has got I am made a knowledge in her brain that will never be eroded just because for several years she lived when we were kids, obviously, in the same family home as me, and you just couldn't escape it. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, I now love that. See, that's why, again, like, bringing it back to the teacher thing, I just don't understand. Like, there's so many worse things a teacher can do. So it's like, I had a teacher, she was our Spanish teacher, and admittedly, our class was so bad that she gave up on us after, like, three weeks and instead, we invented a game called Trashketball, which was basketball in the classroom trash cans. And she allowed us to play it for the rest of the year, as long as we called it Basura Skitball, <laughs> which is Spanish for trash. I, I had another teacher who, it was my junior year of high school. It was 420. Our school got out at 430. And she had a raffle to see which students would get out early to go enjoy 420. I won that raffle. (laughs) Of course you did. Every time. (laughs) Every time. And the one last thing I'd like to say about Iron Maiden that they don't don't get enough credit for, uh, which is, you know, why teachers should be supporting the Maiden. Maiden have got many, many songs in their back catalogue that are historically accurate they write about world wars and big figures from history this one's about an old wooden ship and they t- <laughs> they don't those songs don't go 
verse, chorus, verse, chorus, repeat, chorus, end, because Iron Maiden are not your three and a half minute pop song band. No. Those songs last 10, 15 minutes. They've got about 30 verses in them. And they're, they're like, and Iron Maiden are very, they're the band leader, the bassist, Steve Harris, he, he runs the band and he's the, the main songwriter. He writes loads of things that are historically accurate. And Iron Maiden, they've got painstaking attention to detail. They've got a song called uh, Aces High, which is about World War II. Their most recent stage show, they start with Aces High, and above them at the start of the show is a replica-sized World War II bomber. They care about that kind of stuff. Wow, all I got at the Grateful Dead show was just a bunch of lasers and colors. Exactly, and a load of people high on fucking mushrooms yes. off their tits. Iron I'm Ma- sure that was there at Iron Maiden too. Iron Maiden have got a song called Alexander the Great, right? Yeah. That is... What is that, like the Queen's uncle? <laughs> you know Alexander the Great, right? No? It's, it's, I'm sure he's related to the Queen somehow. Ah, uh, no, that's the one That's the one who chopped off all the heads, right? That's Henry VIII. Ah, oh, the same. Oh, he's the one who pulled ancient, the sword from the rock? Ancient... <laughs> Ancient Greece. Oh, okay. Alexander the Great. Okay, so he was Zeus. Got it. Got it. <laughs> anyway, they've got a song called uh, called Alexander the Great, which is basically Alexander's the uh, Alexander the Great's full biography in chronological order through the verses, and there are some place names. That like if I Google the lyrics to Alexander the Great because if I ask you to read just the lyrics to the first verse, you'll have enough trouble saying the words because they've got the place names from ancient Greece in there. And if you imagine that Iron Maiden put this to music, I'm telling you, it is just give us a little. Have you got the lyrics? I got the lyrics. Give right us here. a little verse of Alex burst of Alexander the Great. Oh God. At the age of 19, he became the Macedon king, and he swore to free all the Asian minor by the Aegean Sea. In 334 BC, he utterly beat the armies of... This isn't even a song. Alexander the Great. His name stuck, struck fear in the hearts of many. Alexander the Great, become a legend amongst mortal men. Like, that's the only part that's an actual song. That's the, the chorus. The rest is just a history right, lesson. But it's set to, okay, it's set to music. Here you get some hard words. King Darius III defeated fled Persia. The Sycophians fell in the river of Jarzactes. <laughs> then Egypt fell to the Macedon king as well. I'm guessing that's Alexander the Great. Right. And he founded the city called Alexandria. What an asshole. He's like, this is my city now. Call it me, but a female version. <laughs> anyway, the song goes on and on and on and on and on. But it is literally, in chronological order, the story of the man's life. And he's got, you know, it takes a lot to make things like Macedonia rhyme when you're writing a heavy metal song. Yeah, no, apparently Macedonia rhymes with sun, according to them. Well, okay, not every bit rhymes. Don't I'm just pick saying. holes in it. Don't pick holes <laughs> no, I'm in sure it. They, like, I'm sure they make it seem like that. <laughs> so... Going back to my point, there is a lot of history that can be learned from oh Iron God. Maiden. This well, song is eight minutes and 35 seconds. Do they not have a three-minute song? I just want one three-minute song. They've got a few three-minute songs. You've never shown me one, That's, ever. These days, eight and a half minutes is like the length of half of a song now. <laughs> with like, you know. So, um, so yeah. So, I, if I was that uh, uh, Canadian teacher, I'd have gone, one, 
I'm not a devil worshipper. And two, when can I take a history lesson on Alexander the Great? Because I'd like to play song eight from the Somewhere in Time album from 1986. And three, wait till you find out I've banged several of the students. (laughs) All right. You thought Iron Maiden was bad. 16-year-old Jimmy's hot as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I got him the Sinjitsu album for his birthday. I said, you better last the parchment, little boy. He went, that's a 13-minute song. I can't possibly last that long. And he's like, listen, if we're going to bang to Iron Maiden, you really need to go back to the first two albums when they had some three-minute songs. Right, I'm going to need like a punk album here. Can we get Blur song two? I'll make it to the second woohoo. I'll woohoo with them, though. You'll feel it. All right. Yeah, no. Should I leave? I feel like I've made you uncomfortable. I'll just leave. Oh, uh, it's fine. Uh, I just want to listen to Alexander the Great now. Obviously. I don't have a Let's just play it. I don't care about rights. They're not going to pay attention to this. Digiamerica.com is uh, the website. Uh, you can get your t shirts there. You can talk to us at digiamerica.com. You can also communicate via Twitter. On Twitter, I am Ian Camfield. On Instagram, I am Camfield off the radio. Did we, America? today you know we did